There's never a dull moment when it comes to Minnesota sports. Whether it's on the gridiron. For the end zone, it's Jefferson who's got the touchdown. On the court. Edwards thinking three and popping a three. On the ice. It's Caprice over the open or on the diamond. Buxton hammers that to left field. Another Minnesota home run. Whether it's positive. I think this is a good enough roster to make the playoffs. Or negative. He's terrible. Awful. Don't get it. Don't understand it. Whether there's optimism. Hey, they might be able to even make it to a conference final. Or pessimism. Don't expect me to be super excited. I mean, I don't know. Does this really do much for anybody? There's always something to chat about. Shout out to Minnesota Sports Chat. Keep on being elite. If you're looking for fun, informative, discussion on all things Minnesota sports, you've come to the right place. This is Minnesota Sports Chat, and now, here's your host, Ross Brendel. Fun is debatable, informative, I guess that's up to you, the good podcast listener. Welcome inside another soon-to-be award-winning edition of Minnesota Sports Chat, award-winning if only in my own mind. Jonathan Harrison from the pre- and post-match show on 1500 ESPN for the United joins in just moments. John well attuned to what's happening with the Minnesota Vikings, so we'll talk some Vikings with him as well. The obligatory begging, please, 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 if you have not yet rated or reviewed Minnesota Sports Chat, Maybe today is the day to do that on Apple and Spotify. That would be greatly appreciated. And thank you so much if you are listening in that Score North Taxi Squad feed. I encourage you to subscribe, rate and review Minnesota Sports Chat wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Edition 122 welcomes back Mr. Jonathan Harrison He is at John Harrison 90 on the Twitter machine. How you doing, my man? Oh, maybe I'll turn your mic on. I'll be a professional. Give me a second here. In three, two, one. Hey, your mic's on. (laughs) I'm great. How are you doing, sir? I can't complain one bit. I I can tell, as you warned me, you are playing dad. So there is some happenings in the background. What are we watching in the background? Uh, we are watching a kid's show called Bluey right now, and it is ever the entertaining prospect of television for a young mind. Should I know anything about this show? Eh, you're not a parent, so not really. Okay. You're, you're safe for now. It's it's a very repetitive show about a family of dogs and raising kids. The dogs are raising kids? Yes, it's a family of dogs. There's dog parents, dog kids. It's, oh, okay. It's, so it's yeah. not dogs raising actual kids. It's dogs <laughs> raising their, their puppy kids. I'd be far more interested if it was dogs raising human kids. That would be far more interesting than what this show is. I mean, it's not a bad show. It's a great show if, you're, if you have no idea how to play with your children and how to like entertain them. Sure. Because it teaches you different game. It like it's more a parent a show for parents than it is for kids. But kids find it entertaining. Are you so. admitting your faults as a parent right now by saying you don't know how to entertain your child, so you've just stuck them in front of the TV? Is that what you just said? 
are you telling are you trying to say trying to get me to say I'm not perfect because that's not going to happen Ross oh you're far more perfect than I am I can <laughs> no I I struggle sometimes to entertain them and this show gives me plenty of ideas and what to do to entertain them other than just sticking them in front of the television well let's do this the loons are at the all-star break so I want to talk plenty of loons with you but let's actually start with the Minnesota Vikings I know in the media landscape scene you are Still involved. Shout out to Matthew Caller. I know you do some work for him. What is your feel so far with what you've been able to see and put together as it relates to the Minnesota Vikings? I'm probably, John, I'm probably, I would say, in the minority. I get the sense everybody is overwhelmingly excited. And shocker, I'm not. But I'm not doom and gloom either. I just, I continue to look at the totality and the preponderance of the evidence of the last three to five years post Mm -hmm. NFC championship game run. And at least this year, and this would not be a jab at Kwesi or O'Connell, but at least this year, I don't see them being much better again than, you know, seven and 10, 10 and seven. That's just me. I hope I'm wrong. I hope they party with the Lombardi, but it's tough for me to get super excited at this point because You would have to assume that everybody stays healthy. You have to assume the offensive line is at least good. You have to assume that there's no real regression. And I just don't know in the NFL if you can assume all that. And oh, by the way, most of your best players are again a year older. Yeah. And they weren't young to begin with. So that's my two cents worth as the Vikings are now, I don't know, about a half a week away from playing in their first preseason game. I'm kind of the same with you, Ross. I just, I, I want to be excited because there's a new regime finally after what, eight years of Zimmer. And then what it feels like an eternity of Rick Spielman through several different head coaches there. But I really can't get excited because it doesn't feel like they changed a whole lot other than the coaching staff. That's really the only thing that changed. They didn't, I mean, the biggest addition they made was Darius Smith, and that doesn't really change. That's not really a groundbreaking change that's going to step you up a level or two on the defensive side because he has his own health injury uh, issues from the past to concern yourself with alongside Daniil Hunter, who, yes, he's been young his entire career, but at this point he's starting to get to the point where he's had a couple injuries the past couple years. That starts to become a concern. Yes, he can still be dominant, as we saw for the first half of last season, but offensively, You didn't do anything to change up what they have on offense. It's a lot of the same pieces. You didn't do anything to shore up the center issue. You, it seems like they might've done something to fix the, the right guard issue to solidify at least that part of the line, but it's still Kirk cousins. It's still Dalvin cook. It's still, uh, just Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen alongside Irv Smith. Maybe if he can stay injury free, but a lot of this revolves around staying injury free. And as we know, that's not possible in the NFL. That's going to take an extreme amount of luck. This team is very top-heavy in their talent. They don't have a whole lot of depth, and that was one of the the criticisms that we all had for Rick Spielman and his team builds over the last couple of years, that there wasn't a lot of depth, and they just didn't do a whole lot to convince me that the pieces they brought in are going to change that. Yeah, and I do think Kwesi spent a fair amount of time in the offseason trying to address that depth, you know, done through the draft and free agency. But when you when you do that in the middle to late rounds of the draft or with, I don't want to say bargain dollar free agents, but guys who don't cost as much, you know, that 
no pun intended, comes at a cost. Like, the guys mm-hmm. can play, but can they play at a high level if they're called upon? Probably not. Uh, one thing that you talked about with the tight ends and the Irv Smith situation, I think that's big because we were already going into the year Vikings fans were expecting that Irv Smith would be healthy and a big part of the offense. Well, now now that's already out the window. He may, be, he may be ready week one. He may not be. And, oh, behind him are a bunch of unprovens and guys you know nothing about at tight end. And with Kirk Cousins and the offense that Kirk Cousins likes to run and what he feels comfortable with, although perhaps O'Connell and the coaching staff is trying to coach some of the checkdowns and maybe those three- to five-yard tight end passes out of him, Kirk's still going to want that. And now at least throughout the rest of the preseason, I won't even say preseason, I guess training camp, and perhaps into the season, he doesn't have that. That concerns me a little bit. Yeah, and we all, we talked about getting, we talked about during the offseason getting a second tight end just in case Irv Smith isn't ready to go or he isn't completely healthy through the season. And that's coming back to bite them right away. Zach Davidson, yes, he's extremely fast, but he's had trouble catching in camp. He can't block. He's not that great at blocking. We've we've heard that a couple of times already, that that's a part of his game that needs to adjust. And beyond him, they don't have really anybody who's going to be a receiving threat at tight end. And if you're going to play a three-wide receiver system, you're going to need at least one tight end on the field, you would imagine, unless you're playing a lot of C.J. Ham, which is a whole other aspect of Vikings fandom, which is hilarious to think about. Uh, but, yeah, you need a tight end. And what, like I said in the first in my first point, the the talent on this roster is very top-heavy. Once you get past that original starter, it's just it's a whole lot of who's this guy and uh, what's this? what can this guy do it for a couple games at a time if you need him. And you can't trust that aspect from the tight end room beyond Irv Smith right now. I've seen a few people talk about this. I know Mark Craig at the Star Tribune, I, he tweeted this uh, from a podcast that he was on. I've seen other people talk about as well that there is the potential that, I don't know if it would be a surprise, but it would be a bit of a wow factor that perhaps – we could get to the regular season and Garrett Bradbury might not even be on the roster that he could be released. So let's let's just hypothetically play that out and say that that does happen, okay? Would that, in your opinion, be the first black eye on the new regime? Because it would be for me. It's not a player that they drafted, but mm-hmm. it's a player and a situation that they should have been very well aware of. And to get to the point where you have to release him with right now no real backup plan in place. Maybe there's things that they think could work, but based off of what we've seen at training camp with guys shuffling in and out on the line and at center, I get the idea they don't even know who might be the starting center if it's not Garrett Bradbury. I, I Black Eye might be too far, but I don't think that that's a good look to not have a better internal option. Right. I, I wouldn't be... That would be definitely a negative against this this regime already early on. Uh, that yes, they had confidence that they could fix it, and I appreciate that aspect. But realizing already in camp that at this point in camp and getting to that point in the season that already this guy isn't going to work, and you went a couple months into the into your regime without making at least any kind of signing to bring in some kind of competition there would be an extremely bad look. Uh, for me, anyways, 
that they thought they could do this. And then it just, despite the years of tape that we've seen on Garrett Bradbury, the years of conversation that other coaches have had about this guy, that he's just going to get blown off the line in pass blocking. He's he's an average at this point run blocker, according to all PFF stats and all uh, regular stats, that he's just average in the run game. And if you're going to if you're going to expect him to be the guy in pass blocking to hold up this offensive line, along with a couple other good pieces on on his on either side of him, that's not a good look that you're making that decision that close to the season. I mean, I'd I'd appreciate it because it means they've they've come to that realization they're finally moving on, but you would have hoped they would have had somebody somebody in the kind of in the fold ready to go to replace him, but they didn't they didn't do that. They they brought in Chris Reed, they brought in Jesse Davis as competition for right guard, and they're trying Chris Reed at, at center. But as we heard a couple times already, Kevin O'Connell he's not happy with the the dropped snaps already between those two between Kirk Cousins and and Chris Reed. So that's not a good look. That wouldn't be a good look to me. One more uh, quick talker on the Vikings, then I have kind of a funny story to tell you. Then we'll segue into MLS and MN UFC. For the Vikings to get past that 10-win total that has eluded them since Kirk Cousins has been here. So let's let's try and will them to 11-6, and 12-5, and five or even better. What is the single most important thing that you think needs to happen? I think it's something we've both already touched on. If the Vikings are going to go 11-6 and six or better, I do think the roster is actually good enough to do that. I think the schedule is difficult, but I do think the roster is really good. I think the only way to do that is to stay largely healthy like the Vikings did in 2017. Although caveat, caveat, they did lose a quarterback and their running back, but virtually everybody else went untouched, which I think was a part of the reason why the team was so successful that year. If this team is going to win more than 10 games, obviously some of it's on Kirk Cousins. But I think just as important it's going to be the health because of what we talked about that the depth may be better this year than it was last year but it's still not great so I'll go with health I'll take the easy way out I think it's health yeah for me that's that's the biggest one is health this team has to stay healthy I've made the point a couple times there's just not a whole lot of depth and for me as well because of what they've done what they haven't done on offense and what they've tried to do on defense the defense has to play back to levels that they've been in they've they were a couple years ago they can't go back they can't repeat what they did last year and be putrid in the last two minutes. They have to shore up that part of their game. And the defense, the the rookies that they brought in, Lewis Seen, uh, Caleb Evans, uh, Andrew Booth Jr., those guys have to hit. Those guys have to be good enough to to be good pieces on that defense. Otherwise, this is going to be a really long season again. Zadarius so Smith and Daniel Hunter have to stay healthy all season and be the absolute monsters on the edge that we've seen that they could be in the past. I mean, they they were the leading uh, QB pressure guys in the league a couple years ago, one and two, and they have to be that again if this team is going to go to 11 and five or 11 and six uh, levels that we all want them to do. But that I just I struggle to see them doing that because they have a really tough defensive schedule, but their quarterback schedule that they're facing this year is pretty light, and there's places to take advantage of that, but that's on the defensive side. The defense has to do a better job of shutting opposing teams down better than they did last year. Okay, we'll be very careful here because this is not going to go where you think it's going to go, okay? Okay, now you have me intrigued. I had a dream last night that I want to tell everybody about, okay? Raw stream time. And here it is. 
and I want you to come inside this dream with me, John Harrison. Questionable wording, but we'll go with it. This was. Yes, it was. We're still rated clean. It's a clean podcast. Okay, deep breath. I did not expect that. Very well played, John. I'm my my head is all over the place. Again, poor choice of words. Okay, let's let's get inside my dream here, okay? I'm in a dream last night, and this is very ironic. Well, not ironic, but I did want to talk Vikings, and I had a Vikings dream last night. So here was the Vikings dream. Very stupid, very comical, but here it is. Mike Zimmer is still the coach. I am somehow on Mike Zimmer's staff. I don't know what my role is. We're standing on the sidelines at U.S. Bank Stadium prior to a game, okay? Okay. And here's what's happening. There are three quarterbacks warming up, okay? (laughs) Teddy Bridgewater, Christian Ponder, and none other than Coy Detmer. (laughs) Those are the three quarterbacks. And Zim just walks over to me and says... Which one should be up today? <laughs> and I went with Bridgewater, and then I woke up. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah that's, with- that's the answer, right? I mean, yeah. you, there's a case to be made for Ponder, but it's not a great case. No. So it's it's Teddy Bridgewater, right? Oh, yeah. It's easily Teddy Bridgewater, unless you're getting a very specific version of Ponder, and it's that Ponder <laughs> in the final game of that the. The Packers game? Was it the yeah, Packers, the Packers game? game? Yeah. You're getting that version of Christian Ponder. No other version of Christian Ponder, just that very specific game version of Christian Ponder. Other than that, it's easily Teddy Bridgewater. Sorry, Coy, you don't get a shot in this one. (laughs) I think I've talked about this on this podcast. You know, one of my favorite things from the Christian Ponder regime and Leslie Frazier regime was anytime Christian Ponder played poorly, Leslie Frazier would say, I'd have to look at the tape. He didn't know why he played well, right? Or played bad. He had to look at the tape. But man, when Christian Ponder played well, he could tell you right away what he did well. I used to love that. And then, Leslie, I I thought that Kristen played well. He always called him Kristen. That always made me laugh, too. I do got to respect the coach for not throwing a guy under the bus (laughs) and then giving him praise. Because it was probably a little throwing him under the bus behind the scenes, not in front of the media. But I always respect that in a coach where he's not going to throw him under the bus in front of the media for everyone to talk about for the next week. I really hope that Les gets another job because I do think in the right situation, like any head coach, he can can be pretty darn good and pretty effective. Okay, we're going to talk soccer, a little MNUFC action with Mr. John Harrison here in just moments. But before we do that... Want to remind everybody about my friends at Beans Coffee Company. Write this website down, coffeebybeans.com, or better yet, go there right now, coffeebybeans.com. They know that, you know, you might forget something every now and then. One of those could be to get some coffee. Oh, that's awful. That did happen to me recently. It doesn't happen to me anymore because of Beans Coffee Company. They're more about just providing fresh, great-tasting coffee. They're also about giving you simplicity and convenience. What could be easier than fresh, roasted, delicious coffee showing up on your doorstep without having to remember to place an order or even go pick it up? Go to coffeebybeans.com and sign up for a coffee subscription. Subscriptions can be set for one to eight week intervals and they can be customized for your favorite blend. Subscribers, you also have the option for 12 ounce or five pound bulk bags. Subscriptions aren't your thing? No big deal. You can still order coffee at coffeebybeans.com. 
All orders of three bags or more ship for free and use that promo code SPORTSCHAT. That is promo code SPORTSCHAT to receive a little extra discount. Coffeebybeans.com, promo code SPORTSCHAT. Well, Johnny, it doesn't seem too long ago that I was texting you during games, this is awful, fold the franchise, (laughs) this team can't score, they can't win, what is going on here, and now they're fourth in the West and outside of that team from L.A., which shall remain nameless. I know there's a couple, but if you follow the MLS, I think you know which one I'm talking about specifically. The Loons look pretty dang good again. And it's been fun to watch. What what has been a part of this turnaround where they, uh, uh, honestly, I don't think I'm using hyperbole here, they looked awful. How does a team go from looking awful to looking ultra competitive and one of the better teams in the league as they now sit at the All-Star break in fourth place in the Western Conference? This is going to sound like an easy, easy answer and kind of like just a... a throwaway answer here it's all about confidence they have confidence in Luisa Maria and he has confidence in himself again and I think Adrian he's talked about it plenty of times and we've seen throughout the history of soccer that if a striker doesn't have confidence they will overthink things and they will just not play the way you expect a starting forward to play and you could see through the first half of the season the first 16 games or so of the season before the June break that Luis Amory had no confidence in what he was doing. He was second-guessing everything. He would take an extra an extra touch on the ball more than he needed to. Instead of shooting the ball, he'd try and get it off to a teammate. And it just it was always one thing too many instead of just playing and going on instinct. And Luis Amory is now playing on instinct. He's finding a really good partnership with Emmanuel Reynoso, who's playing in all-star form, MVP form. He's being talked about in those MVP circles after the last, what, 10 games or so that he's played since the international break, that he is, Emmanuel Reynoso has really, really come back to form to the Emmanuel Reynoso that we saw in the 2020 playoff run where they went to the Western Conference Finals and were 13 minutes away from going to the MLS Cup Final out in Seattle. And having those two hitting the this really hot vein of form over the past 10 games has been the reason why they've rocketed up from 10th all the way up to 4th place in the Western Conference, and we're, as, we're up as high as 3rd as of last week. So, yeah, it's it's all down to confidence in Luis Amaria and Emmanuel Reynoso getting back into form. How much does Adrian Heath play into giving those players that confidence, or is it more of the players just finding it on their own? I, I have to imagine it's a little bit of both, right? I mean, it has to be a little bit of both. Yeah, Adrian Heath didn't bench them. He kept playing them despite Luis Amaria going through stretches of form, stretches of games where he wouldn't score. He wouldn't. There, there was a stretch of games there that he. I don't think he took a shot, like a single shot, not even a shot on target, a single shot for over 400 minutes. And you can't have that from your starting forward. That's five games where he didn't take a single shot as a starting forward while he's playing a majority of those minutes in those games. So. Yeah, it's playing those guys through really bad uh, chunks of form that gives those guys the confidence to know that, hey, my coach has confidence in me. He believes in me. And those guys just eventually, you saw Luis Amaria just eventually work through it, and he's got two goals and four assists in the last five games as this team has just rocketed up the standings recently. And, yeah, it's it's down to the coach 
continuing to play them, continuing to give them that confidence that they, he's their guy, and then those guys just finding that bit of confidence in themselves to get the ball into the back of the net. John Harrison is the host of the pre- and post-match show on 1500 ESPN, AM 1500 in the Twin Cities, and at 1500ESPN.com, at John Harrison 90 on that Twitter machine. Let's talk about the August schedule here just a little bit. Uh, the competition, I, I don't know, John, uh, pretty good when you talk about Nashville, Austin, and Houston. I mean, all all games that you feel like are winnable, right? There's not many games that the United are going to play in August where you would say, well, they can't win that game, especially the way they were playing going into the All-Star break, which we'll get to in just moments. Yeah, I think with some of these guys, obviously the three guys who missed Colorado uh, due to yellow card accumulation, Robin Lud, Emmanuel Reynoso, and Michael Boxall, three of your key guys right down the spine of your team, those guys will be returning now. They won't have to worry about missing those games anymore. Uh, and getting some guys back from back from injury, you got a couple guys coming in from transfers through the summer. There's, I think the only game that you should even question a little bit is this game against Austin coming up on August 20th because Austin has been the story of the season across the league besides LAFC who are at the top of the Western conference, the top of the league, they're just running away with the league. They'll probably finish with the highest points total in league history in a single season because they're just that dang good. They have depth all over the place. Uh, other than them, Austin FC is the story of the season because second year team, uh, they didn't make the playoffs last year. They didn't look good at all. They couldn't find the back of the net to save their lives last year. And all of a sudden they can't stop scoring goals and it is impressive to watch what Josh Wolf has done down there in Austin. So that's really probably the biggest question mark on the rest of the August schedule is that Austin game at home at Allianz Field on August 20th. Otherwise, Nashville, they've really struggled. They've won two games across all competitions in their last 12. Houston's just starting to flounder down to the bottom of the Western Conference. And then Rail Salt Lake, they're tricky to try to read as well. Uh, They've, they're sitting in fifth place in the Western Conference. They don't have really any pieces to be notable about, but they are really good uh, defensively. They're going to they're gonna be really hard to break down. Uh, but if this Minnesota team continues in the attacking form that they have been, where they are uber confident and able to score a goal at, at the drop of a dime, I see all those games pretty much winnable, and the Austin game's really the only question mark on that schedule. Too early to circle at home on September 13th against LAFC on the calendar. Do we got to get through August before we start thinking about that one? A win in that one? Well, just the game in general. Oh, no, you can absolutely circle one. That one's going to be an amazing watch because LAFC bring in the best talent in the league. They're the best team in the league. Sorry, kids <laughs> chewing on the Xbox controller there. He's excited about the LAFC match. Uh, I was going to ask you, does he want to weigh in? He might want to. I mean, LAFC is that good. He's trying to weigh in. Uh, no, LAFC bringing Gareth Bale on the wing. They have Carlos Vela. They have one of the best uh, attackers in the league. The the highest, I think he's up at the highest goal scorer in the league in Chicho Arango, who they, for some reason, were trying to trade for the best part of the last transfer window. They're trying to get rid of him for some reason. And all he do, has done, all Chicho Arango has done, is continue to score goals. I think he's had a brace in each of the last three games. He's just, he's outstanding. And he goes along with an attack that features some of the best talent in this hemisphere of soccer. So, yeah, that game on September 13th at Allianz Field will be an absolutely fun game to watch and be a part of. 
Very quick question for you in closing before we get out of here, and I let you go back to playing dad, and then I go back to hammer out some work at my desk for the real nine to fiver. Describe your most recent piece of Casey's breakfast pizza for me, <laughs> or just that cake donut with vanilla frosting and sprinkles. What was it like? to consume one or the other or both of those. I am missing Casey's in my life, and I'll be back down in your neck of the woods in October-ish. So I I can't wait, but just tide me over. Give me a visual impression or just whatever you can do to tell me about your most recent Casey's experience. Well, This is not a paid endorsement, by the way. As you know, as we Although talked about, I went be. on vacation last week, and the Sunday that we left, we didn't really want to make anything because we didn't want to make a mess before we left and just have it sit there. So the wife and I decided to wake up early that day, had some soccer to watch, had some F1 to watch. So what we did before those th- those two events got started, we went over to Casey's, which is right down the road, got ourselves a whole breakfast pizza, not just a slice each. Oh, we went talk with the whole dirty route. to me. We went the whole route with the sausage and eggs and and bacon and everything, and it was glorious. It was a great way to send ourselves off to Vegas. Oh, that sounds just wonderful. For those who are wondering what the heck am I talking about, that would be a a Casey's General Store. I'm assuming if you've gotten outside of the seven-county metro, you've seen a Casey's General Store. There's actually now, John Bob... A few in the Twin Cities area. Whoa, expansion. There's one in Egan. I know that'll make Kirk Cousins excited because he can get that Pizza Ranch pizza there, too. (laughs) Yeah. Who doesn't like that Pizza Ranch pizza? I think, uh, you know what? Um, Actually, now you're going to get me to go on another tangent. I like Pizza Ranch pizza. It's fine. But you know what's even better there? That roasted chicken. Their chicken's pretty good. Just call a chicken ranch and have pizza on the side. That's what I, do I would say. I have a question say. for you, though. You said you're not going to be down in my neck of the woods until October. You're just not going to. You're just going to avoid Dozinki days, in, days in total. Yeah. You're just I, not going to come down for that. Did I miss Kolachki days too? I think I missed that a few weeks ago because I think big, I think you might have. Big boss guy here at Hubbard does some run that he's been a part of for like 67 years in a row. We're getting really Minnesotan here, by the way. I know. we are. If you listen outside of Minnesota, and plenty of you do, you've already checked out. <laughs> Dojiki gonna, Days is just... the new Prague Town Festival, so sorry, John. I just gave away where you live. But uh, new, new Prague, what, John? Give it, honestly, another decade, and it's going to be a suburb of the Twin Cities. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to that, but yeah. <laughs> it's it's. I, I mean, like living out in the middle of nowhere with no one in my backyard, with just acres of space to run around. I grew I'm up not in, looking forward to it. I grew up in Lakeville, summer. John, and that's about, <laughs> from my home to yours, it's about 15 to 20 minutes. So yeah. it's not, you're really not that much really further quick. south. Uh, maybe I'll make it out for Dojinki. The problem is, and everybody knows this, and this is partially uh, to the future Mrs. Brendel, I apologize, but it also might explain why there is no current Mrs. Brendel. Saturdays and Sundays in the fall are virtually out. I mean, it's just, it's not happening. We got, I mean, we got, we got the run to the Rose Bowl for the Gophers, the run to a divisional playoff round for the Vikings. I mean, it's is just, is that it's, the run to the actual Rose Bowl on January 1st or just playing against UCLA when they joined the Big jerk. Ten in a couple of years? You jerk. Yeah. <laughs> Although I'd be lying if I said I hadn't used that joke. That was my first thought. I'm like, hey, they'll finally get back to the Rose Bowl. Yes. Might be five and three Minnesota taking on five and three UCLA in October, but hey, they'll make it. You know you can you know you can always come down for Dozinki days. You have a place to stay here. 
We've got a giant TV. You can watch some some Gophers Rose Bowl action in the middle of October with me here on the giant TV after some well, of those inky days. Where are we going? We going to the fishtail? Where where are we gonna have some food beforehand? They've got a so plenty of the bars down on Main Street keep changing. One yes, them, yes, they do. I noticed that every time I roll one through of them town. That was I think Jake's like three different versions of it ago. Now has an outdoor seating area, so an outdoor oh. little bar seating area. So we may have to go there. They got an ice cream joint right next to it. If you have no idea what we're talking about for the last six, seven minutes, I apologize. But you know what? This was fun for me and also kind of therapeutic. So, John, you're the best. Oh, no, actually, I can't let you go. I'm so sorry. I got to no? okay. circle back with one more question. All-star game. about goalie wars? No, all-star game at Allianz. How big of a yeah. deal is this? I know a lot of people will consume this pod after it's already happened. But who's it a bigger deal for? Local soccer fans? Minnesota United as a whole, soccer across the country getting their eyes on Minnesota. Wh- who's this who's this the biggest for and what's what's the impact? And I'm so sorry that I completely neglected to ask you that and had to circle <laughs> back on the way out the door. No, it's I think it's a bigger it's a bigger draw for just Minnesota soccer getting getting the eyes of soccer in this country on it for a week or so. Just seeing what Minnesota soccer has to bring to the country as a whole because it's been a market that before the last seven years or before the last six years when Minnesota United joined really was neglected for the most part. I mean, and all the way back until uh, the Minnesota kicks left the NASL back in the day. So it's a market that has, has a deep, deep love of soccer that has been very much neglected. Don Garber said uh, when Minnesota United joined, when he picked Minnesota United to join the league, that it wasn't a market they had any ideas of plans to bring into the league because they just didn't think it would be good enough. And they saw that they saw the draw that Minnesota United had in the NASL days, and they they knew that they could draw in at least nineteen thousand, if not more, fans week in and week out if they brought in brought in a world class stadium. And Allianz Field is absolutely a world class stadium. Teams from Europe love to come to play at Allianz Field because it just feels like a team. It feels like a stadium that should be in Europe, and it's it's a wonderful stadium. And I'm excited to see it on on a showcase in front of in front of U.S. soccer fans and Mexico soccer fans on Wednesday. That is Jonathan Harrison at John Harrison 90 on the Twitter machine. He is the pre- and post-match host for Minnesota United Radio on 1500 ESPN and at 1500ESPN.com. Based off of that last 45 seconds, he is also the next commissioner of Major League (laughs) Soccer. That was very well done. What a great pitch for the great state of Minnesota. Hey, have you thought about running for governor? Maybe you could do that down the road. We've seen radio personalities do it in the past. Why not? It's it's been done. That was a good pitch. I appreciated that. A good pitch for soccer in the great state of Minnesota. John, thank you very much. Thanks for having me, Ross. It's been fun. That is John Harrison ninety on that Twitter machine. Make sure you give him a follow for all of your soccer needs. That is actually going to do it for edition number one hundred and twenty-two of Minnesota Sports Chat. Please rate and review on Apple and Spotify. And if you're listening in the Minnesota Sports, or excuse me, the Scornor Taxi Squad feed, please make sure to subscribe to Minnesota Sports Chat if you like what you hear. And please tell your friends and family all about this podcast and support Beans Coffee Company at coffeebybeans.com. Promo code Sports Chat. I'm Ross Brendel. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk again at some point next week.